0: haven't been taught to practice we've been taught perfectionism and we've been taught failure but we haven't been taught practice one of the things that i bring with me from my years of being a dancer most of your life is just rehearsal you're on the stage for 15 minutes you've been in rehearsal 172 hours the part they see is nothing compared to what you've been through but we're not really taught to value the practice and so when we study like all of these different ways that people find god right like Buddhism is one of the clearest versions of practice, right? It's practice, it's not proficiency, it's just practice. It's the discipline of showing up. Discipline is the highest form of self-love.
1: empower you podcast is devoted to bringing real world wisdom and encouragement to our listeners fans subscribers and friends we talk about a multitude of life principles and the process from an economic societal and cultural perspective we believe that in tough conversations and shared wisdom we can pave the path and leave a ladder for the future so subscribe to our channel rate review and let us empower you Welcome, welcome, welcome to Empower You Podcast. I'm so glad that you all are here. My name is Kid Boy Cooper, and I am the creator and host of Empower You Podcast. Hope you're having a great day, um, and I'm super excited to be before you and about to uh, share with you another incredible conversation with an absolutely incredible guest. Okay, so um, what we're going to be talking about today is... Um, surviving consequence so it was brought to my attention by our guest um that uh as we were talking about the the issues that men face um and we were specifically talking about black men and um she said that a lot of men are are more focused on surviving consequences than they are about um really building the kind of life that they want for themselves and that skews everything else that they do throughout life and i thought that was super powerful because it was such a succinct way of describing some of the paranoia that you carry around at least i have grew up grew up carrying around and seeing other men carry around um, throughout life and so Um, We were already going to have her on the show, but after our initial meeting, I was just like, this is just incredible. So I'm super excited to talk to you guys about Surviving Consequence um, with an absolutely incredible guest. Her name is Crystal Brown. She is a mom. She's a vision coach. She's an artist. She's an educator. She is absolutely probably one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. And uh, I'm super excited to have her here with us. So we're going to bring her on out. Crystal, how are you?
0: It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And being one of the smartest people you know, is, that's big because you know a lot of people.
1: <laughs> well, listen, I think uh, I think there are some people that you meet that are just absolutely different than others. And so uh, I'm super excited that you took a little bit of time. out. I know you're very, very busy. Um, and so I'm really glad to be able to have this conversation with you. Um, because I think it's gonna be one that is super insightful. Um, Just our initial meeting uh, and and kind of speaking about the different topics we were gonna go through, um, it was just, it was very eye-opening for me. It took me a second to think through um, just that term of surviving consequence. And I was like, Kibwe, have you been doing that your whole life? (laughs) That's literally all you've been doing. It's just trying to prepare for the eventual falling out of something yeah you know and so i think that's really really powerful tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of um uh, your history what you do um you do so many things and uh, (laughs) i just love to for you to share a little bit more about yourself before we dive into the topic
0: so um a little bit about me so i'm a girl from kinston north carolina and that's like a eastern north carolina town where most people only stop to get a barbecue sandwich on the way to the beach um so you probably never heard of it unless you follow things like true crime network right so we used to be an all-american city and in the last 10 years or so it's become one of the top 10 most dangerous places to live in the united states um and so when i think about managing consequence right it's not just about what i've seen happen in my own personal life with the with the men in my life, um, starting with my father, right, my entire life was navigating consequence. I grew up with a father who lost both his legs on his second tour in Vietnam, so that part is also always in my rearview mirror of how I'm watching people, not just uh, navigate fear of kind of day-to-day life, but really navigate the choices they make based on what they can compensate for later. So. I grew up being a dancer. You know, most people, um, that's what they know about me is that um, I was a world renowned artist for many years. I mean, I kind of maybe still am, I I can kick a leg. Um, But, uh, right, so I started actually dancing because someone dropped me off at the wrong place in a carpool, right? So when we talk about, again, navigating consequence, right? So circumstance, situation, condition, we don't necessarily always zoom out and see the big picture of how they formed who we are and how we navigate the world. But basically I got dropped off at the wrong place in a carpool and then ended up being a professional dancer. Um, I was supposed to be going to a piano lesson, right? Again, navigating, right? So then I became uh, this professional dancer when my original thought for myself was to go back to my small hometown and be the first black dance teacher. I ended up having a long uh, standing career with many genius choreographers in the field. and. Um, ended up at a college in a small town in Vermont and became the first black woman to ever be tenured at this predominantly white institution. So, you know, there are all of these ways that we kind of set these small visions for ourselves, right? I'm a vision coach, so I'm always gonna talk about that. Um, Visions for ourselves, but we actually don't necessarily know how they're gonna come to pass. And when they do, they usually have a different structure to them, but it's the knowing what the initial drive was what the initial condition what the original seed was that gives us a little bit of um, perspective and power in the moment to make better choices
1: wow you said you became a dancer because they dropped you off at the wrong line
0: (laughs) yeah
1: wow that is really very interesting so becoming a professional dancer is very very difficult um so did you see yourself i mean you got introduced to dancing kind of haphazardly, and then you just took to it right away. Or like, was there a learning curve you had to overcome? How did you end up even, you know, seeing yourself as uh, uh, or or accepting, you know, going and becoming this world-renowned dancer? I feel like there's a lot of steps in between there. You know, how how was <laughs> that? How does that happen?
0: Yeah. You know, I'm laughing, Where you know this, but maybe your audience does not right? My coaching practice is called Steps and Stages. And the joke used to be because I've learned a lot of steps and I've been on a lot of stages, right? <laughs> um, and there are a lot of steps in between, right? And, and the word that you actually just used is more along the lines of my practice, my gift, my calling, which is acceptance, right? A lot of us, see a pathway and we want to forge as hard as we can. I have a client who calls that wombat energy, right? Like wombats will just fly through something and that doesn't matter if they break their necks, like they're going to get through it, right? Um, And a lot of us have these goals (laughs) and dreams, right? And we're like wombats, right? And so for me, the acceptance was about the unfolding of this thing that I didn't really know why I was doing it, didn't really, you know, didn't really have a deep desire. It wasn't like my childhood fantasy, right? But what happened was um, I'm the second child and there's an eight year gap between my brother and I. So I was basically like another only child. And so what really happened, like, you know, now that I have this experience, which leads to understanding, which leads to big picture thinking, is that I knew right from the start when I started dancing that people loved it. They loved it. They loved me. There was something that happened in the midst of it that allowed me to have a heart connection, even if they didn't know my name, right? And so that part for, I think, any young child, especially a young woman, and especially for young men too, right? The same thing that that young men get on the football field. They're like, oh my God, boy, you're so fast, right? And so that connection immediately allowed me to notice that there was a different way to navigate relationships, right? And that people could love you without knowing you, and that I could love them back right and so that really is what kept me has kept me dancing for over 34 years
1: wow that's there's a few things you said there that are very interesting you said you knew that people loved it and and it's the and dancing uh, the validation and the connection you get you know you relate that to like when people are on the football field and I don't think I've ever thought about it that way I think I think oh, yeah. sometimes you know we can have these ideas about artistic endeavors And I mean I sing and act and stuff like that, but I never thought about that same type of gratification being You know the same with sports and things like that. And so I think that's a really great um, Analogy or visual or or representation of of the validation that men are really seeking um, that men are really uh, struggling to find Um, and for you to be able to find it through dance and really recognize it you know i think is really really powerful because i think sometimes you can stumble into situations and not really understand the grander ramifications for how this can affect your life on on a large scale you know you like something or it's working for this or that but you've managed to take that energy right that impact that you're creating and turn it into this long-standing thing and a lot of men we live in those moments and then we don't know how to transfer them into anything else
0: yes yeah yeah i think you're totally right about that and even you know when we talk about my father who lost both his legs in vietnam he went to vietnam he went into the army because he didn't want to go to college and the army told him he could play football for the army Right. So it was really, it was super situational. Right. And so um, I tell this story on uh, the Moth Story Hour on NPR about the time that I got to dance with my father and really understanding at that moment that his entire life had been shut off and rebooted. And this, kind of like dancing with his daughter in front of thousands of people or hundreds of people at this cotillion in two prosthetic legs was the most terrifying thing he had ever done. Wow! Right. And so, and didn't just realizing, right. I'm probably going to cry. Like I'm a crier. I, you know, it's, Uh,
1: it's um,
0: this realizing that this man who was my father, actually at that moment, I could see that this was probably the dude that my mom fell in love with at that party that night. Yeah. Right. And I had never seen him before and I didn't see him after that. Right. But it was a glimpse. Right. And so when we think about, right. The kind of stumbling into and stumbling out of. When we see glimpses of people especially men who have had their heart broken men who have suffered loss men who have had to change who they are for the situation or give up on their dream when we get that glimpse it's really i think important to hold on to that because there's a lot of noise around the rest of it
1: yeah Oof. that's yeah. deep oh my goodness you breaking it out quick today Oh my goodness! Oh no, I'm sorry. Thank you so much for sharing that that story. And I think, of course, the idea of having the idea of being so gifted and then having so many of that, so much of that taken away from you, you know, like your father experienced, um, is absolutely yeah. terrifying. I'll just say that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. And yeah. I know, as a man, you know, I personally. And I, can't, I guess I can't speak for any other guys, but I personally derive a lot of my value, and I'm working on this, from the things that I can provide for people, you know, whether it's my yeah. clients, my family, um, you know, a spouse or, or a significant other, you know, that's where I derive value from, my ability to control a situation, my ability to think through a situation, you know, um, thinking on your feet was very, very important for where I come from. And so, um, I've developed a real intense thinking model, but as much as that has protected me in certain areas, it's also hindered me in a lot of areas. And so, um, to, to have to readjust, you know, your entire life based off of events that you couldn't control, consequences Mm -hmm. you couldn't control. I just, I just can only imagine how difficult that was and, and, and as a mom um, you know I feel like you've seen a lot of vulnerability in men and so um, I think that's very unique because I don't know that and maybe I'm again you feel free to correct me but I think okay. I don't think a lot of ladies see the vulnerabilities the vulnerable side of men very much especially um, in today's environments I feel like ladies are are raising their sons with kind of a false idea of what men really are because they don't see the vulnerable sides of men because men hide Mm -hmm. them a lot so um if you will i'd love to hear a little bit about your son and some of your philosophy and how you're you're bringing him up
0: yeah well you know number one gabe is my favorite person
1: <laughs> um, he's kind of dope. I've seen right. his businesses taking off and everything. Like yeah. he's a prodigy. He's yeah. he's. Yeah. He's...
0: <laughs> yeah. In ca- yeah. In case he's listening later, I said it, babe. You're my favorite person. Um. <laughs> so, um, it's interesting, right? Because, you know, I I think that what people see in my parenting is what some might call like new age or, you know, just different structure. But I will just be super honest with you, kid boy, and say that the way that I'm parenting has the same basis as the things we see that don't work. And the basis is fear. Hmm. Right? Totally transparent, right? Like, I'm afraid that my son will not get to be himself in the world. So rather than trying to give him enough tools to protect his heart, I'm going to open the door for every place his heart can be seen. So that he knows that that's possible, even if someone else tries to shut it down. And so it's, it's a different perspective, but you know, I'm human and I'm a mom. And so I'm just going to be so super honest that it still has the same basis of Trying to make my son hard, trying to make sure he knows, right? It's the same root of fear, right? But I'm using fear, I'm trying to catalyze that same energy into a practice that still produces freedom. Because the practices that we've been using in order to keep our son safe and teach them how to be a man has continued to shrink their heart and shrink their personality and not allow them to be vulnerable enough to be present fathers, to be uh, vulnerable husbands, to be problem solvers, not just fixers, right? To be able to think through all the possibilities um, and give them a certain level of freedom that we don't allow their heart to have. So it's contradictory, right? If we are keeping a man's mind in bondage and telling them to free their heart, it's impossible, right? it's It's not a human configuration that we can actually manage.
1: I right? need you to unpack some and of so
0: that. We get, so, so I'm choosing heart first, really. Right. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You said if you keep a man's mind in bondage, but then ask him to open up his heart, it won't work.
0: No. No.
1: I'm trying to process that statement. Um.
0: Because it's similar to what you said earlier, right? You've, Put yourself in a practice that's that's produced safety but it's about thinking through Mm -hmm. right so the heart and the mind are constantly having a conversation to create or validate intuition so if i free your heart but your mind is still stuck then you're never going to trust your own intuition you're never going to believe that that voice that's coming from you is really the voice that you should trust you're going to keep trusting the logical voice Right? And when we go back and forth and think through some of these definitions that we use, right, like insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, and logic is practicing the same thing over and over to produce the same result. Right. So when we want to say, well, I just want to be logical, I just want to be realistic, I just want to write, but the reality is you haven't decided on what is real for you. And until we do that, until we're kind of able to free the heart to dream, to vision, to say, to identify who we are first, then the other logistics are never gonna equal what we know or who we are, right? It's like Les Brown, right? You don't get what you want, you get who you are.
1: Wow, 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 wow. So while you're talking, um, and I don't have any of this written down in notes, but I I just feel a need to share it. Um, So while you're talking, I am being transported back to when I was probably about 16 years old, um, Mm -hmm. maybe 15. And I was walking up uh, Broadway. I think I was like going to a bus stop or something. And I was literally just trying to daydream my way out of being in Gary. I was trying to daydream my way into some solution that changed the reality of my situation, which was that nobody around me lived a life that I wanted to live. And even though, you know, I absolutely loved my family, I didn't want to do what all of them were doing. And mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was going to do. And it was because my heart was open to these ideas, but my mind had never seen anything that wasn't logical yeah. and scarcity and lack hide in logic and reality yes. and so when you're saying all of this I'm just like wow like that is exactly what I was just trying to do I was just trying to yeah. figure out some kind of way to break my mind out of the box that it was in because my heart wanted that my heart knew that i wanted to do these different things but i just could i had absolutely no way of figuring it out and my the best step that i could think of was just to go to school you know was to like move Mm -hmm. away or something which is what i did i used going to school as a ticket to get out of that environment and then slowly but surely You know, I had to figure out who I was outside of that environment. Like who are you when you're not just surviving? And I don't (laughs) sometimes I don't know who that is. And I think that's Yeah. A big thing that men, especially black men, um, and and again, for any of the brothers watching this, if you got a different opinion, throw it in the comments. Happy to hear it. But I think a lot of us don't know who we are outside of surviving.
0: Yeah, that's, I think that's definitely true. I think it's particular, it's a particular set of circumstances that surround black men. Um, But I believe that survival is one of those things that if you have only ever known enough, then survival is enough. Mm. And you will stay in that mode of being, uh, deciding, imagining forever, right? Like it's, When you hit that top layer and you decided that, oh, you know, I can't see past where I am, but I feel it. There's a pull towards something greater. And the only option I see right now is to go to school, right? When, imagine an entire sector of the population that doesn't even have that one option, right? And so that's really where I think our attention has to shift in terms of how we start to raise and love and educate one another is that we have to see more options, right? People well, I got took my son to Africa when he was two, and you know, I just can't tell you how much flack I got. I got like, I can't believe you taking that baby. He's going to have to get a lot of shots. He's not going to remember. I don't know why you're wasting this money. And I was like, you know what? He might not remember, but I don't know when this opportunity is going to come again. And if he doesn't remember anything but the smell, then I've done my job, right? If I if he doesn't remember anything except the feeling, right? Because that's really what we're thinking about. It's instilling the feeling, the, the frequency of vision. Because even if you don't see an option to be freer, the, the instinct, you had the instinct to open up to something greater.
1: Thank you for listening to Empower You Podcast. I just wanted to take a second and tell you about a brand new podcast on the Creative Podcast Network. The Guru Guide to Podcasting podcast is for coaches, consultants, service-based businesses that are looking to beat the social media algorithms, uh, create more revenue in their business and an audience of their ideal clients so that they can have more valuable conversations, impact more businesses, more clients, and ultimately create more income and more freedom. In their business. So, if that's you and you're looking to build an audience of your ideal clients, you're looking to take back your time in your business, in your life, and uh, generate more income while doing it, you can start your very own profitable business podcast and we'll show you exactly how to do it. So, click the link and visit the Guru Guide to Podcasting podcast and we'll talk to you when you get there. Okay, back to the episode. That's huge. You said the frequency that's big and i think that's yeah. i think your and that might sound super woo woo but i just think your soul remembers that just like i think you know yeah. you know for mothers who are carrying you know their children i think your soul remembers the 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 experiences that your mom had the the tenacity yeah. that your mom had when she was when she was raising you you know like so i was born uh, this is so off topic, Crystal. I'm. This is this is this conversation is just like. So I'm just going with it. Um. So, yeah. one of the things that I knew, you know, that my mom told me, was when I was born. Um, I was born with my umbilical cord wrapped around my throat. So as she was delivering me, I was losing oxygen. And so the doctors yeah. told her, um, like, we're gonna have to like cut him out because otherwise by the time he gets into our hands he may not be able to survive and she told me that first of all she was not going to have anybody cutting on her that was her first answer and then she said Uh he's going to be fine and I trust God and he's going to be just fine and she delivered me (laughs) and I was fine, and that's where I get my name from. And kibwe means blessed. And so Mm -hmm. um, knowing that about me, about my earliest moments when I obviously couldn't protect myself, but that my mom had confidence in me, even that little that he would be able to survive this, uh, changed the way I viewed myself, even growing up. So when you talk about taking Gabe to Africa, even as a baby... That changes the way you view yourself because even before there was any, you know, um, you know, noticeable or tangible benefit that you know Gabe could have had, you still knew that he needed that experience. You were already investing in him, which then changes that. That gives you a worthiness uh, that I think is really deficient in a lot of young boys and especially a lot of young black boys because we don't Mm -hmm. feel like we're worth the effort that other people, you know, get around us. You know, and if you look at society and and they're constantly telling you that you're not worth that. You know what I mean? So I, I, you know, obviously I just, I think that's amazing that you did that even though everybody was telling you not to.
0: Yeah, you know, and but you know, but honestly, right? Like I'm an artist, right? I've been an artist for 30 some years, right? Like I've always done something that nobody else understands, right? Like <laughs> I understand, like, you know, my coaching practice is not, I'm, I'm not one of those coaches who's like, okay, let's fill out the worksheet and I'll check on you tomorrow and I bet you're doing great, right? Like no, transformation is something I know from the inside out, right? Like I know transformation like I know nothing else. Like I can, I, I understand it, right? And so one of the things that is transformative and it is so simple about my parenting is listening. Not listening to correct, not listening to teach, not listening to uh, debunk, right? But most of the time, my relationship, I understand, is built with my son on such uh, a firm foundation because I just listen, right? And I try to control my face and not be like, what in the world? I don't (laughs) know. (laughs) Um, And I listen to so many things because I believe, right? You know, and and this is, you know, it's kind of woo-woo too, right? And depending on what people's spiritual practices as they're listening to this, right? He chose me, right? There was something he has to do in this world, right? That he chose me to come through and his father, right? And there's something about him that needs to teach me something, And I'm supposed to keep him alive and keep feeding him the energy he needs until the mission is accomplished, right? Like that's my job, right? And so a lot of us as parents, and I understand totally where it comes from. I totally, I'm a parent, I'm a mom. A lot of us see these children as things to create, as um, parts of our story. Um, And so we, we tend to start to shape and mold them as the characters that we want them to be, rather than listening to the dialogue that this character is writing in their own story, and just being a good supporting character. Mm.
1: That's huge. That's transformational, right there. You talked about your coaching program as you know being different. Talk to me a little bit about yeah. you know some of the ways that you've been able to help your clients through difficult uh, um, steps or stages in their growth. Yeah. Um, through this kind of non-conventional teaching that you do?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I think we got this title for this, this sector called life coaching about 10, 15 years ago, right? And for me, I used to teach entrepreneurship and innovation inside um, academia as well. And so when I first heard it, I was like, oh, there must be a gap in the education market, right? Must be. Because if education, the system that we've been saying for years will prepare you to build a life, is not working, and now people need life coaches or executive coaches or all these different types of information, then there must be a gap. And so when I started to look at it, and my students kept being like, "Oh yeah, Miss Crystal, you should be a coach," and then my dancers would be like, "Oh, I'm about to listen to your this talk later because it's a whole podcast." I'd be like, "What are y'all talking about?" And so I started like trying to really understand where this this niche was coming from. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it, right? Because the same way that education prescribes a system, we also prescribe a life system that equals success. But if that success is not tailored to who you are, then even if you achieve it, you're still not gonna feel whole. And so we have to kind of go backwards. We have to say, who are you? What's the vision you have for your life, your gifts, your talent, your dream first? And then let's start to engage in the practice of life. So I like to start from the beginning, right? I'm a vision coach. I don't believe you have a life if you don't have a vision. You just have a set of things that you're used to doing and you're hoping that it all pans out. Mm. Oh
1: my God. And so in this
0: practice, we just have to really pull back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like men have the most, like, who do you feel like has the most challenges with their identity?
0: Yeah. Hmm it's interesting right because I think like you said a lot of us derive value from what we do and when you asked me like how I started dancing that was it people were clapping people were loving me I was like oh my god I can do this and like they love me and they give me money wow (laughs) right it's just you know it's amazing for me Um, but I think what we have a hard time doing as people and I think men do have a hard time with this which is you know just a little secret that I think most people know, right? Like men are probably 10% of the self-development market. right? Maybe my numbers are a little off, but it's majority women, right? Women are like, yes, fix me. I don't know what to do, right? (laughs) Men are like, I'm good. Let me listen to that (laughs) podcast one more time. I'm good. Yeah, I'm gonna listen to it on my way to work though, right? You know, things like that. So I have a really small number of clients who are men, but I will say this, that the ones who do show up, um, begin to see themselves as whole people and they're able to let go of things quicker. Right, right. They're able to say, you know what? It's not the money anymore. Right? I've had, uh, people quit their nine to fives and become chefs. I've had men, um, decide that, uh, they didn't want to get married. All right. And that's a big thing. And it's not just about the person You're that not they're with, to do it's that, about Crystal. right, You're not well, to do you that. know. You're not allowed to do that. I mean, Men are I just supposed to do this <laughs> and we're
1: supposed to do that. We're not allowed to change our mind. We're jerks if we do this no. kind
0: of stuff like I'm guilty like I've canceled a wedding, right? To to what most people would think is the love of my life. Right? But love and marriage are two different things. And when you get right down to it, right? Like if you can get to that core identity of who you are, then you know exactly where the default line is, right? Are you designing or are you defaulting into someone else's pattern, right? And so a lot of men who come through our program really get to that default stage and they're like, yo, I'm tired of doing this, this, and this. I don't know why I'm doing this, this, and this. And what I would love is to be able to do this, right? And even just saying that, even if they don't quit their job, even just saying it out loud, to someone who's like yeah why not let's go (laughs)
1: you're blowing my mind right now i i feel like you know so i don't feel like men can ever be clear enough right so i think there's there's um there's this idea that men are supposed to, you know, we're supposed to be honest, we're supposed to have high integrity, we're supposed to do all these things, we're supposed to make a whole bunch of money, there's all these different things we're supposed to do, right? In order to be worthy <laughs> of another person's love.
0: Uh-huh.
1: All right? And so then yeah. you do some of these things, you start to increase, you know, your impact in the world, you start to increase your monetary income, you're investing in yourself, all these other kind of things. But what I find, personally, is that when you do that, people write you into what they want you to be. And when you decide that that's not what I signed up to be, you become the villain in the story. Well, why yeah. are you, or well, why would this, and that? It's just like, I've never changed who I was. But now all of a sudden, you become the villain. Not because you did something, but because you are something, right? Yes. And that is what I think a lot of men run away from. Because it's easier to bear the brunt of being the bad guy for obvious reasons than to sit with the reality that your identity is just by default not going to work for some people. And you have to be okay with the fact that those people just may never like you and it's yeah. is what it is so when you say things like you know you're some guys figure out well oh, I don't want to get married or I don't want to do this or, that is so anti-culture when you say that because I feel like there is a constant <laughs> narrative that men have to be a certain number of things we don't have the the autonomy yeah if you want to be considered a good person or a good man You have to meet certain criteria from a societal standpoint, but that none of that actually makes you good. None of that is sometimes the brave work. You can do brave work in there, but some of that is not the brave work. Some of the brave work is, 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 is knowing who you are, you know? And so that's why when you talk about, you know, most men are just like, yeah, I'm good, you know, because they don't want to do that kind of work, especially not in front of people to be judged. You know what I mean? Do you feel like Gabe is is really um, defensive about certain things? What tendencies are you seeing in him versus other uh, men that you're coaching?
0: Yeah, well, you know, with Gabe, I actually just, um, and this is, you know, this is, again, could be controversial to some people. My son is 11. Um, I just asked him to start seeing a therapist. Nothing is wrong. But I do know that at the level he's functioning intellectually and the fact that he traveled with me around the world is going to start to set him apart from his peers. And there are two things that could happen. He could isolate himself and ignore them, or he could try to become them. Right? That's just adolescent behavior. Right? I did it. You probably did it. We all did some things right around that time where we were like, well probably easier for me to just agree with them than to keep arguing or try to be myself.
1: Yep.
0: Right? Um, And so what I've noticed is I can see when he modulates. Right. And You know, as a kid who grew up uh, in the AG classes and was the, the fly in the bowl of milk, I know what that's like. I know what it means to like, you know, be called the Oreo or, you know, talk white and all of the things that come along with Right. Like paying attention or following the educational plan. Right. Um, So I'm noticing how he modulates uh, in his school, outside of school, when we have company, when he's talking to his dad, when he's around. So I'm just watching how many of him there are right now. Mm. And rather than just, you know, pretending or modulating with him, I ask questions. I'm like, so who are you at school? He's like, "What do you mean? Who am I I'm, just, I'm, like, I'm like, "I said, tell me who you are at school." I mean, like, is your voice lower, higher? Do you talk faster, slower? Do you see, like, what are you doing at school? I mean, who are you over there? Right? And he's like, "Mom, what are you really asking?" Right? <laughs> so, you know, like, I'm just putting out the questions that I actually wish someone had asked me. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. Instead of just pretending, you know, like it's okay. And so I think that's one of the re- one of the ways, right, that we start to change the narrative is that we listen, we ask hard questions, and we, we actually have a dialogue. Because I'm not asking him who he is for me to tell him that's good, bad, right, wrong, ugly, pretty. I'm not. I don't care. I just want to be aware. And I want him to be able to articulate it. Because if he can have an awareness towards it, he can become or change whatever he needs to later. Yeah. Yeah, do you All think right. when we're a, not aware, that's when we get stuck.
1: Mm. So you think so it, what I hear you saying is that becoming or 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 parenting um boys especially if, since this is the context we're talking about is that you yeah. know we have to be listening more and increasing their awareness because he may not even realize on a conscious level that he is modulating you know but when you ask him now now he's like oh oh well i mean i don't know i guess that's just like how everybody's acting it's just like well that's distinctly different and especially in in social environments you may not that's not your first priority your first priority is not to be weird (laughs) you know
0: (laughs) right 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 right,
1: right. that's interesting yeah, so awareness. Um, and that, and then and then that continues as you get older, right? You continue to modulate based off of what you feel like people expect of you. And then later, you're in your 30s exactly. or 40s or 50s. And you've never really just acted like yourself. You go from one environment to the next, to the next, to the next, where you have to just keep changing, 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 changing. And then someone, you know, your significant other, or somebody says, well, I just don't get you. Well, I don't either because I have to be all these different people. <laughs> To try to satisfy what everybody wants from me. Right, exactly. And no one has ever asked me who I wanted to be. You just want these things from me. Otherwise, I can't even be valued as a human being. And so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is what it is. This is what you wanted, right? But now you're mad because I don't like this. You know? I think that's very, very interesting that even connecting that to being... To to how you were when you were younger because again like there's a lot of things you're saying that are like making me think about when I was a kid and how I wasn't focused on that I realized at a certain point that I was like modulating as you put it but my focus was staying safe you know um, which was not being weird because Mm -hmm. being the weirdo made you unsafe Uh, but then also was to just stay you know like out of the weeds with my parents because if they saw you doing something or acting some kind of way so you're modulating around them too based off of the environment or the 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 environment you're raised in and i grew up really really churchy and then i lived in an environment that was not churchy at all i was very violent and, and everything you know what i mean so it's like so we go to church but then we come home and there's gunshots everywhere like this is a real interesting scenario and i think that's where that Those mentalities of lack and stuff come from. It's just like my greatest thing that I can do for myself is go to church and listen to someone tell me how to live, but it really doesn't translate when I go home because this is a controlled environment. You know? Like how do I and people haven't been taught
0: to practice. People haven't been taught to practice. We've taught, we've been taught perfectionism and we've been taught failure but we haven't been taught practice. Mm. And, you know, it's one of the things that I bring with me from my years of being a dancer. Most of your life is just rehearsal. You're on the stage for 15 minutes. You've been in rehearsal 172 hours.
1: Man, yeah.
0: Right? The part they see is nothing compared to what you've been through. but we're not really taught to value the practice, right? And so when we study like all of these different ways that people find God, right? Like Buddhism is one of the clearest versions of practice, right? It's practice. It's not proficiency. It's just practice, like just sit on the cushion. If you, can make, if you make it to the cushion, great. You sat down, it's practice, right? That's part of it. It's the discipline of showing up. Right? The discipline of, you know, people think about yoga the same way. It's have you been to your mat today? Right? And when we think about this, right, I tell my clients all the time that discipline is the highest form of self-love, whether you're praying, chanting, sitting, whatever. If you're doing it out of discipline because you know it makes you better just for you. Yeah. That kind of love, that kind of like, I call it soul care. For me, self-care is kind of like a reactionary word. It's like, I'm I'm at the end of my rope. I'm out of here, right? Like I have to take (laughs) a self-care day, right? But if we've been pouring into ourselves every day, then we have this reservoir that we can pull from when things get a little edgy, right? So it's that kind of soul care, that kind of pouring in. And I think, you know, we talked about it earlier. I think when men are connected to their hearts, then that hard work, that heart work, becomes more acceptable and you know honestly i you know i'm we're people like to kind of give me credit for like who gave his gave us who he is i'm just again trying to keep him alive and on the mission right um <laughs> but he's taught me so much right he's my greatest love teacher right like i had made some really profound statements when he was born. And I've, I've retracted those statements in the last year or so, right? I said things like, I'm never dating again until he's graduated from high school. And people like, whoa, that's drastic. That's a lot. And I was like, listen, I just want to be able to focus. And I can't see it, like it's too much energy going in different directions. I don't ever want him to feel like he's second, you know, all these things, right? But really what I was really saying was this little person, has taught me that I don't know as much about me or the world as I thought I did. And until I get a better understanding of what's going on over here, I can't invite anybody else into this matrix. And Gabe has taught me so much about love. He's taught me how to listen. He's taught me that it doesn't have to be my way. He's taught me that love can look like being in the house and not talking to anybody and everybody just okay. Right, Because we get this idea that love is like, oh, it's romantic and it's this and it's that. And my son has really taught me that you can love somebody and not even have to say nothing to them. And nothing's wrong. (laughs) Right, like he's just taught me so much about like, you know, what it means to love someone for who they are not what they do, which is what you're saying that most people are asking a black man, like, are you this, are you that? You got six figures, are you this tall? How's your relationship with your mama? Do you go to church? How did it... What kind of belt you got on? Let me see your shoes. Well, what do you brunch on Sunday? How did... I... <laughs> like I don't know, right? Like, it sounds crazy out there to me. I don't know, right? You know what I'm saying? But the idea of like, no one's saying, listen, what did you want to be when you grew up? And like, how's that working out for you? And, like, what was your big dream, like, before you went to school? Like, I'm so glad you have a Ph.D., but, like, what what would you love to do? Like, you know, no one's asking that. No one's, like, leaning in, like, so what did you dream about last night? You know, nobody's (laughs) listening. Right? Like, those kind of conversations that I think really get to who you are.
1: That's that is so profound. Oh my goodness! Listen, I have one more question, and then well, yeah. Can I ask two more questions, and then we do our thought exercise? Of course. Okay. Of course. Okay. So, the first question is: um, What do you think the biggest falsehood is that um, that men uh, are carrying that? you don't want game to start carrying.
0: Hmm, hmm. but there's only one kind of man. <sighs> right, we have all we're, we're we're so good at using language right now for big fights that we don't want to fight inside ourselves. right? so we're we're big on race, class, gender, sexuality, money. We're big. We're going to get into the big fight over equity and equality. But we haven't done the work on the equity and equality on ourselves, right? So just like Black is not a monolith, woman is not a monolith, man is not a monolith. And I want him to understand now and and like really hold on to that, that no one can tell you that you're not a man because of this, that, or the third. And no one can tell you how to be a man because they do this, that, and third, right? And, you know, as a Black woman, as as a parent who's single, You know, I hear a lot of that. Well, you can't teach Gabe how to be a man because he's never been a man. I was like, well, that's probably true. But I can teach him how to be an amazing human being. And the fact that that is going to be an amazing man is all I can do. I'm going to do my part. That's right. But you won't see me ever tell him yes or no based on someone else's definition of manhood. Because some people, you know, whether they're classified as a man or not, have not gone through the rehearsals of being a man. They just get kind of, they just skip to grade 12, right? Because they become a father or because they have enough money in their bank account or because they don't need to ask anyone for anything, right? Like that doesn't necessarily equate to manhood, right? It equates to a positionality and positionality is not being.
1: Mm. Oof. Thank you for saying that. Um just hearing that was very very validating and i hope for anybody who's listening to this um now or in the future i hope that resonates with you um because that is that's real and nobody will say that to you (laughs) yeah that's amazing all right question number two What's one of the? What's the one thing you want people, men, um, and and women as well, to take away from this interview? You know, what what is something that you want them to start to implement um, in their thinking, so that we can do more than just survive consequences, right?
0: Yeah, you know what pops into my mind, Kidway, is something that one of my clients reminded me that I said at our retreat about a month ago, and it's that your identity. Is not a democracy. Everybody don't get to vote on who you become or who you are. And you get to decide first. And if those people agree, great. But if they don't, it doesn't mean you need to change who you are. It means you just need to practice some more. Practice, refine the thing, refine the thing you're becoming, refine the person you know you are from the beginning. not let too many more things cover over the person you know you are right it's not a democracy it's not a secret your identity is really the when the bible speaks of the wellspring right your identity is the wellspring it is the bubbling up it is the constant recalibration of your truth your honesty your gifts and your purpose And the more we shift and change and tone that down for people, the more it becomes unrecognizable to us, which makes it easier for us to shift and change and modulate, right? And so my hope is that what people are hearing here is that in my parenting, I'm trying to protect that wellspring. In my practice, I'm trying to discover and uncover that wellspring for my clients. And in my own practice of life, I'm trying to stay constant on my own frequency and not let anyone vote to diminish the identity that I have or to falsely uplift or accelerate who I am without me being ready for that growth process. Because transformation is gonna happen in the agreement and the acceptance, not just in the opportunity.
1: Ooh, that is huge. Oh my goodness. That is, that's incredible. Thank you so much for being here. Like, if you all are not blown away at this point, I don't know what's wrong with you, <laughs> but um, there are so many things that you have, you have shared um, just about identity and about, you know, how you, you see yourself and how you can practice seeing yourself more fully in order to free your mind from these ideas that other people have departed, have imparted on you. I think that is just, it's just so incredibly valuable. I definitely will be um, following those things. Um, And you said something at the, just a minute ago that I thought was super important. You said, your identity is not a democracy. Nobody else gets to vote on who you decide to be that is absolutely prolific because society culture will have you thinking that everybody should co-sign off on the person who you decide to be and that's the only way that you'll be accepted but you are never meant to go through the world being what everybody meant for you to be because you have your own assignment assignment. That's huge. Yeah. That's yeah.
0: huge. And, it, and, you know, I just want to say, like, you know, it doesn't it also means you don't have to be alone. Right. I, I kind of, you know, can't stand these like alpha male, alpha female means of like they're always alone. I mean, like, no one changes alone. Right. But it does mean that if you're so clear about who you are, then you're going to attract the community that you need. Right. You're going to attract all those sacred friends who are going to either boost you up or rub you the wrong way and teach you exactly what you need to know in that moment. It doesn't mean that you isolate yourself and just be just like, this is me, forget the world. No, it means, let me show myself to the world so that I can know exactly who my tribe is. I can know exactly where I need to position myself to let my gift have the greatest impact.
1: Wow, that's huge. Oh my gosh. Um, Y'all, my head is spinning at this point. This is going to take a minute to settle in because there's just so much truth in the statements that you've made. And I can just only imagine what's happening in your coaching program. Like that is wild. Um, (laughs) This is like one hour. Can you guys imagine being uh, in, in, in Crystal's coaching program and she's constantly pulling things out of you? You would be a new human in no time. You know, that's just incredible. Yeah. So how do people get in contact with you or, or start engaging with you? What if there's young ladies um, or women whose yeah. sons are 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 Gabe's age and they're like, listen, I may not have the money for a therapist, but I'd love to connect him with maybe your coaching program or maybe, you know, I don't feel safe sending him to a therapist, but you know, this is another black woman or another lady who I know I, can, I feel like I can trust. How do people get in contact with you to work with you, uh, to follow what you do, or just to send you a thank you note?
0: Yeah, well, listen, if you wanna send me a thank you note, I love thank you notes and I love snail mail. So um, you could jump over to lifestepsandstages.com, scroll down to the bottom, our address is there. If you wanna check in about if our coaching program is right for you, you can also schedule your complimentary vision call. And if you wanna think about getting to the next stage of your life um, and what that really entails, yeah, make sure you schedule a vision call. You can jump over to stepwithcrystal.com about how to go beyond traditional success. And then just follow us on the social. Stay connected. We're all about building community, right? Because again, nobody changes alone.
1: Wow, that's incredible. Nobody changes alone. So you guys have all of the information that you need in order to contact Crystal. Um, We're going to do one last thing, which is our favorite heart which is the thought exercise um and then we're gonna let you guys go and we're gonna let crystal go um but maybe we can convince her to be a part of some other cohorts i've been having some ideas about putting together some uh, some mentorship cohorts where we talk about different topics um in extended periods and maybe follow along with some books or different practices as well um to kind of connect you guys a little bit more with the different guests who are on the show um, and you have a little bit more access to uh, kind of what they do. And you guys can involve yourself more with them. If you guys are interested in that, let me know. Uh, I've, I've got some things i are rolling around in my mind. I think that would be really cool and beneficial. And it would allow all of us to be enriched just that much more. So um, again, follow Crystal on all the socials. And Crystal, if you are ready, I would love a thought exercise.
0: Okay, let's do it. I'm ready. All
1: right. The floor is yours.
0: So, um, we have a mantra at Steps and Stages, uh, and I just want to just offer this to you to clear your mind. And this is that a lot of things happened before this, and I guarantee a lot of things will happen after this, but I promise to be here with you now, so please be here with me now. As you begin to let your mind open and your heart connect to your deepest, wildest, most intense dream, take a deep breath in through your nose. Exhale slowly through the mouth like you're blowing through a straw. Let the lids of your eyes close if you're in a place where you feel comfortable. And no matter what today is, it's jump. Let's do a little time jump, a little vision trip three days into the future. And you and I have just woken up in exactly the place you've always wanted to live. Not only is it where you wanna live, it's the right temperature, you have the right breakfast, You are actually in charge of every choice that you're going to make today. There are no consequences. There is no situation, circumstance that you are not equipped to navigate. You are well-resourced. You are well-energized. You are well-equipped. Take a walk through the space. Notice where you spend most of your time, where you would like to feel comfortable. Open the door to the next room or to the outside and take in the view. Notice that as we are on this vision trip, something about the chemistry in your body is changing. You may have leaned forward or leaned back or your feet may have gotten heavy, your shoulders may have dropped. And that's the frequency of your vision. That's where you want to be. You want to be a thermostat and not a thermometer of each and every choice that you're making each day of your life. And this is the frequency. This is the temperature that you're going to be on. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Exhale slowly through the mouth like you're blowing through a straw. And let this frequency wash over you. And wherever you've been listening from, open your eyes and see it from a different perspective. And stay on the frequency of your vision, not only now, but going into the rest of your day.
1: That is amazing. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing with us. My
0: pleasure. Um, Thanks for having me.
1: I I am blown away. I truly, truly appreciate you for being here and for sharing with us. Um, I needed it and I can only imagine how much more other people needed as well. and so I'm very blessed to be the first one to receive it so uh, I, I will definitely have all of this stuff available to you and for any of those who you know again you're looking to find this uh, it'll be live on this page and it'll also uh, be released um, on the normal schedule uh, which is Monday mornings at 8 a.m. so um, thank you again make sure you guys go follow thank Crystal you. and tell her thank you put Comments in the chat, put comments online, wherever you are, and just say thank you, Crystal. This was absolutely incredible. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Crystal. You're doing a
0: great job. <laughs> Thanks.
1: All right, y'all. We're gonna get out of here. Uh, we appreciate you for being here. Um, and we will talk to you guys soon on another episode of Empower You Podcast. Peace. thanks for listening to empower you podcast. Don't forget to rate and review this episode because we would love to hear your takeaways from this discussion. And it helps us reach more listeners just like you. If you'd like daily audio video clips from the podcast, you can find empower you podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.